We want to welcome everybody to the podcast. We call this From the Preacher's Study. My name is Bob Hutto. I'm the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ. Uh, my partner and colleague in the podcast is Kevin Clark, a member here, but one who preaches, uh, well, has preached a lot around uh, throughout uh, this part of the country, really all over the country. You may have heard him, heard him preach in person or online. does a great job, but uh, we've been working at this together for a while now. And uh, we're going to proceed with this particular episode tonight. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 6. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And so turn over in that, to that place, if you will, or listen closely as we uh, talk about the passage before us this evening. Um, this is the 100th <laughs> podcast that we've done. Yeah. And uh, I'm not quite sure how long it's taken us to do 100, but right. that's, that's, that's something of a, an accomplishment it is, to it is. do 100 a, a of these podcasts. We get... Great encouragement and great support from people. I had somebody uh, mention today from another mm-hmm, town mm-hmm. that he watches and listens to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just very encouraging to hear people say that. Of course, the members here at Oak Mountain, they watch, they listen, and they give us good encouragement as well. But we're glad to have everybody with us, and we hope that if you enjoy it, if you get something from it, that you'll share it with other people and uh, invite others to watch and listen as well. And so we're glad to have you uh, in this particular session. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Kevin, any, anything that you'd like to say at this point? Yeah, when I was told this was the 100th uh, podcast, it really blew my mind. It doesn't seem like we've been doing it that long, uh, and we've really enjoyed it uh, working together and appreciate all the support that we've been given in this endeavor and uh, all the ground that we've covered. You think about the different topics that we have naturally covered by virtue of the material that we've selected, i.e. God's Word. Uh, it's just an incredible thing to be in a position to do that. And, of course, we want to thank uh, Mark Townsend and Jason Reed because they've been with us through all those 100 episodes, yeah. providing the technical support that we needed to put this thing on and get the word out there. And thanks to all of you uh, who have tuned in and spread the word. And as we've said, we've got people who uh, very uh, regularly watch not only here among the Oak Mountain congregation where Bob and I are from, but also uh, in the uh, state of Alabama, in the United States, and even outside the United States, we know that we have people listening from other countries. So we're just very thankful, and thank you for the encouragement and support, and we'll continue to do our part, which is to exalt God's Word. Right. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We continue to work our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Just excellent teaching, very useful to us. It, it informs us how to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, what uh, what is expected of citizens within the kingdom of heaven. So we've worked our way through the Beatitudes. We looked at that section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus compares his teaching with other teaching that uh, his disciples had heard. And, and, uh, and, and then in chapter 6, he transitions to a little bit different subject. In verse 1, he introduces it by saying, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. And so, if you practice your righteous deeds, Mm -hmm. if you practice your religious deeds with the wrong motive to be seen Mm -hmm. by men, Mm -hmm. well, you have a reward. The Mm -hmm. the congratulations you get from men, that's a reward uh, in in some ways. But you don't have a reward with your Father in heaven. And he illustrates that by looking at three practices. Mm -hmm. He talks Mm -hmm. about 
giving alms. Mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. sound a trumpet and draw attention to yourself when you give alms mm-hmm. and you do it in order to receive congratulation from men, well, that's that's a reward of sorts, right. but you have no reward with your father. Right. And then he talks about prayer mm-hmm, as well. Same mm-hmm. Makes the same point. Mm-hmm. You can stand on the street corners and pray and draw attention to yourself and receive a lot of applause and congratulations and slaps on the back, but you don't get any reward from your God, Father in heaven yeah. if that's your motive right. uh, to, to pray in public like that in order to be seen of men. And then the third illustration mm-hmm. he uses is found beginning in verse 16, has to do with fasting. That's and right. so let's just read that passage yeah. and then we'll make some comment on it. So whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so he's making the same point yes, here. Yes, and so yeah. I want to establish that. He speaks to the motive. Right. You know, as for why you're doing these things. And so, and the same point is being made here. If you fast in order to be seen of men, put on a gloomy face. Oh, woe is me. I'm fasting. Look at how difficult life is for me and draw Mm -hmm, attention to mm -hmm, yourself. mm -hmm. And that's what you're trying to do to impress other men, other people. Well, you don't, you know, you're not impressing God at all with that. That's right. He says, when you fast, wash your face. Now, you don't, you don't present yourself to other people as one who's fasting and mm-hmm, suffering mm-hmm, in order mm-hmm. to be seen and get their congratulations. You you do this to God, and right. God will reward you. That's right. And so, Kevin, you want to comment just about the general context yeah, in I, which he makes this point? I think it illustrates for us just how important it is in our service to God that we do it for the right reason. It's not just external showing, going through the motions, doing certain things. And I know sometimes people in the world will have some strong criticisms of religious people. We're a bunch of hypocrites. We're putting on airs, pretending to be something we're not. Well, guess what? God also doesn't like hypocrites. Uh, And so we want to make sure that when we serve God, we're doing it with the right motive, the right heart, the right disposition. And you find that all throughout Scripture. It's amazing to me. You could have two people who do the exact same thing. And one of them is improved by God and another is not. And you can't tell externally the difference normally, but God can tell internally what motivates these men. And so it really causes us as religious people to do self-examination, to make sure we're not falling in that category of just doing things out of rote, out of habit, or worse yet, because we want to get the attaboy and the girl. Right. A good illustration of that, Luke chapter 16, where mm-hmm. two men go down to the temple yeah, to pray. That's right. And just from outward appearances, there may not be a whole lot of difference between the two men. They have two men. They're going. They're Jews. They go down to the temple to pray. And um, I think I said Luke 16, so Luke 18. Mm-hmm. And so one is a Pharisee. The other one is a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood. And mm-hmm. It says, prayed with himself. <laughs> I thought, thought that was interesting. <laughs> prayed this to himself. Right. God, I thank you. I'm not like the other people, swindlers, unjust adulterers, even like this tax collectors. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. It's interesting. He mentions fasting. There. I saw that. Yeah. I fast twice yeah. a week, and so that was, uh, you know, that's a badge of honor for him. Right, you know, look right. at look at me and how. So this is not a, a prayer to God. Right. It's self congratulation. It really look at is. how good I am. Absolutely. Especially when compared to others. Uh-huh. The other man was full of humility and mm-hmm. lowliness. 
And he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, just said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right. And Jesus says, the second man yeah. went to his house justified rather than the other. Exactly. It has to do with motive yes. and uh, what you're trying to accomplish. The one That's man's right. trying to justify himself. That's right. Uh, the other man, the humble man, the tax collector is trying to, to be right with God. That's right. And so God approves of the, the second and not, not the first. Amen. I thought about 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. This is a different context, of course. It has to do with eating meat mm-hmm. or not eating meat offered to idols. It says, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, mm-hmm. do all to the glory of God. Right, right. So that's that's a good uh, you know motto to live by. Do all to the, everything you do, do right. to the glory of God. Absolutely. And, um, and taking in, in this particular context, taking into consideration your brother and his conscience and so forth, well, you want to behave yourself in a way so that all you, all of us can glorify God together. Do all to the glory of God. Amen. And so that has to do with Matthew chapter 6 as well. When you mm-hmm. give alms, give alms mm-hmm. to the glory of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. You're helping your brother, but it's right. to God's glory. That's right. When you pray, uh, you may be praying for your own needs and concerns, but you pray to the glory of God. And right. when you fast... You fast to the glory of God. And one quick point on that, too. Notice the focus, the glory being to God. And the problem with these three examples are the people he's depicting are looking to gain glory for themselves, right? It's misdirected. They want the glory. That's and God's right. like, no, no, no. God is worthy of the glory. We're That's just right. vessels to give him that glory. So it just uh, makes it uh, incumbent upon us to, to think about why am I doing what I'm doing? Right, right. Even if we're doing right things, exactly. you know, we may yes. be at, at services every time right. the doors open. Right. Or, you know, maybe we may be trying to live a certain kind of life, a nice, a good, holy, godly life. But why? Exactly. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why right. am I attending the services? Right. Why am I living this kind of life? Is it to, to receive the congratulation from other people? Uh-huh. Is it just to get the approval of other right. people? Right, right. Well, I attend all the services because if I don't, right. well, then my parents or my wife or my husband or whoever, right. they're going to you know they're going to make it hard for me right so what we want to do is do these things to the glory of god do these things to please him yeah if it if it pleases others to see us there fine so be it right uh jesus does talk about shining your life so that others will be drawn to glorify god themselves and so we want to be a good example to others we're not trying to hide our light right but our primary motivation for all of this is to be pleasing to him. Absolutely. God-centered rationale, everything that we do, we look at from the lens of how does this affect God? How does this reflect upon God as opposed to ourselves? And you know, even when it comes to these things, notice that God sees all these things. And we don't need the approval of man because God sees what we're doing privately. That's the emphasis is it's really between you and God. Like you said, there'll be some things you do publicly. Men will see it. Maybe they get some benefit. But really, it is your relationship to God that really is the focal point. If we start thinking about God and everything we we do that'll help focus yeah, our energies right. and our attentions in the right direction right. and ultimately that that is what we're trying to accomplish in our life we're trying to please him that's right and it all really comes comes down to that we're trying to please god and trying to please him that's right in all that we say and in all that we do right well i want to talk a little bit about fasting sure uh and we don't have much time left but mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about it fasting is a, a, a question that arises from time to time i've right. had it asked of me here recently a, a couple of times. What, what about what about fasting? Now, Jesus isn't commanding fasting he's not, here. He's not. No. Uh, he, and so uh, he really, and we've tried to set the context right, in which right. he makes these comments. Right. He's simply sort of commenting on or regulating 
uh, the practice of fasting when you do it. When you do it. And so he's not commanding them to do it, but when you do it, avoid this mistake, rather do it like this. That's right. There's not much said about fasting in either the Old Testament or the New Testament. It it occurs from time to time. Mm -hmm. Under the law of Moses, there was really only one fast required by the law. Luke chapter uh, Leviticus 16 talks about the Day of Atonement. They were to mm-hmm. humble themselves or afflict themselves, which they took to mean fast. David mm-hmm. says in Psalm 13, I humbled my soul with fasting. And so he kind of combines those ideas, humble yourself. Mm-hmm. David said, I humble myself with fasting. And so they understood that they were to fast on the Day of Atonement. But other than that, there were no fasts commanded or required in the law. Now, over a period of time, there were fasts that developed traditionally. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Jews traditionally would keep certain fasts throughout the course of the year. Zechariah mentions four fasts, a fast in the fourth month, the fifth month, the seventh month, and the tenth month. And those, my understanding is, marked disasters in Jewish history. But those were not commands to right, fast. Just right. traditionally over time, that, that practice developed. Now, if you were going to do it, you needed to do it right. Right, right. But uh, the law only required one fast. People fasted for different reasons, mm-hmm. uh, for uh, on occasions of great grief or mm-hmm. sorrow, mm-hmm. to demonstrate their penitence, for example, or again, to humble oneself. Remember, David especially fasted mm-hmm. when the child right. was that uh, Bathsheba had conceived by him was was uh, uh, was was dying. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, we find. Jesus telling the story that the Pharisee fasted twice a week. We saw that a moment ago. Find Jesus fasting in the wilderness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But again, there's there's not a lot of said about fasting, even in the New Testament. There are a few times when references are made to fasting when people did. Well, this person was fasting or this Mm -hmm. person prayed and fasted Mm -hmm. but as far as a command to fast Mm -hmm. we just we just don't see it in the new testament we see it mainly in the gospels a few times in acts Mm -hmm. very little if any in the king james and new king james Mm -hmm. tradition it's there a little bit more Mm -hmm. but in the newer translations because of the way they um translate the text and how they value which manuscripts to use and so forth you don't find it as much in the newer translations. Now, just compare fasting with prayer, for example. Mm-hmm. The New Testament yeah. teaching on prayer. Yeah. Let's, let's just compare those two. There are lots of mm-hmm. uh, commands to pray, a lot of instruction right. to yeah. pray. Pray without Not ceasing. ceasing. Pray all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be anxious for anything, mm-hmm. but in everything, mm-hmm. by, by prayer, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made. Devote yourselves to prayer. Yeah. And those yeah. are just... That's just a sample of the numerous exhortations to pray. Mm -hmm. You just don't find that with fasting, do you? You don't. Uh, You find occasions where maybe people did fast. Acts 13, when they're separating Barnabas and Saul to go out and preach, they prayed and fasted. Mm -hmm. But you don't find, especially in the epistles, you just don't find much encouragement uh, to to fast uh, at all. So fasting had a long tradition among the Jews. Little is said of it among the Gentiles. Jesus recognized the practice Mm -hmm. and he addressed some of the abuses as he did with the other practices, prayer and giving alms. But he placed no inherent value on it. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, the disciples of John came to him asking, 
Why do we and the Pharisees mm -hmm. fast, but mm -hmm. your disciples do not fast? Mm -hmm. So Jesus didn't place any value, mm -hmm. inherent value, mm -hmm. in fa on fasting. It might be, might have some benefit. It might be good in some ways, but fasting in and of itself uh, is apparently is just not of uh, any real value in the sight of God. You got any comments on that? I've talked a lot, Kevin. Yeah, so. one of the things I would say that because we do not find in the page of divine inspiration commands about fasting, then we have to be very careful with how we advocate for the practice. Certainly we have precedent to engage in it. If one chooses right. to do so, that's fine. But sometimes you find that people uh, look down their noses on people who don't fast or might try to push somebody into fasting and we need to be careful about that because again if Jesus didn't give us that instruction if the Holy Spirit didn't give us that instruction if God the Father didn't give us that instruction who are we to impose that on somebody right. now if we want to talk about our own experiences if we've done it and the benefits we had or look at some of the scriptures and the examples and say I can see some good in that I'd yeah. like to try that certainly that's fine but we just want to be careful we don't cross that line and start legislating where God is not legislated right my understanding is fasting really is is the result of, of, of say a, a period of focus and concentration mm -hmm. and prayer and, uh, and so and so as a result of that focus and concentration on spiritual things we put material things and earthly right. things to the side right and so it's not that we're trying to accomplish something by fasting right it's the result of an effort to focus spiritually on on things I talked uh, about it with a brother here recently and uh, I thought he had a great perspective on it. He, he talked about one time he was under a lot of stress and pressure mm -hmm. in his life. I mean, mm -hmm. just really overwhelming. He said, what I like to do, I like to get a quilt, go right. out in the woods, right. take my Bible with right. me, and I would just sit and just spend time in prayer and Bible right. study and focus and contemplation and, and, you know, didn't take any food or anything. I was right. just focused on, yeah. you know, on that. And, and I thought, well, that's a great perspective. I think that's the right track. Absolutely. Uh, so it's not I'm going to accomplish something right. by fasting. Right. But fasting is the result of my focus and concentration on spiritual things. I'll get to those other things later, like eating right. and right. all the worldly things I have to take care of. But right now, my focus is somewhere else. And, and I like that description because you can even find some secular counterparts to that. I know in my own work, sometimes I get so focused that I go a whole day without eating. Right. And it's not like I made a point, okay, today I'm going to go without eating. I just got so caught up in what I was doing, right. I didn't have time to think about that. Right. Well, quick, can we do that spiritually, be so caught up in the work that right. we're doing that I don't have time for that? <laughs> right, right. Well, our time is out. We may have gone even a little long uh, in this, but uh, just appreciate everybody being patient with us and, and giving us your ear for a little Absolutely. while. Uh, and let's just remember together out of this, you know, let's think about our motives. Why right, are we right. doing, what, even, even if we're doing the right things, right, right. Why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Just check ourselves and make sure it's all to the glory of God. Amen. That's the point that we want to leave with people today. Amen. Amen. All right, we want to finish up. Uh, we usually finish up with a word of prayer. Kevin, would you lead us? Sure. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for your revealed will. <clears throat> we thank you for the opportunity we have to sit at your feet and to learn what are important things in life, how we should view our lives, the perspective we should have on you and the perspective we should have on our fellow man, on our own lives. And at times like this, when we have an opportunity to, to delve into the Sermon on the Mount, we are greatly appreciative of the insight that is given to how we should conduct ourselves over and over again in this Sermon on the Mount. 
Uh, you have instructed us to be very careful about our motives for the things that we do. And so we need to engage in very careful and very regular self-examination to make sure that we do the things in our service to you, not out of rote, not out of tradition, uh, not out of habit, uh, not to get the approval of those around us, but ultimately because we aim to please and serve you, to have the right motive from the heart, to bring glory and honor to thy name, and to begin to, to look at our entire life through that, that lens of, does this bring glory and honor to your name? Does it not bring glory and honor to your name? And please help us to be more mindful of protecting and upholding, exalting and glorifying your name as we were created to do. Uh, we're thankful for this teaching about being very careful, not only in the context of our charitable deeds uh, in prayer, but also as we studied in this podcast, fasting. And to the extent that we do that, to make sure we do it with the right motive, uh, the right heart, not to get the congratulations and affirmation from our fellow men, not to draw attention to ourselves, but uh, to do it secretly to you. Again, a service that we offer to you. Uh, we thank you so very much for the many things you have revealed to us, and please help us spend time to think about those things, meditate on those things, making sure we have an accurate understanding of the instruction, and then applying that to our lives, looking at ourselves carefully and making sure that we're doing the things you would have us to do and doing it with the right reason. Over and over again, you've told us that our service has to be motivated primarily by our love for you and also for our, our, by our love for our fellow man. That sums up all that we have to do is to love you with our heart, mind, and soul and love our neighbors ourselves. Please help us to be more diligent in doing that, more diligent in examining ourselves to make sure we're consistent and encouraging our fellow man to do the same, encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging our children, encouraging our brothers, uh, physical and sisters, our uh, colleagues at work, colleagues at school. We need to be that shining light that uh, brings glory and attention not to ourselves but to you and through that process, we hope that more and more souls will come to know you and understand you and ultimately enter into a relationship with you that will bring them everlasting joy and peace. We thank you for all these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.